Welcome to the Financing Social Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week I speak to people who fund and support social innovation in different ways. Grant providers, impact investors of various kinds, angel investors, foundations, family offices and more. They talk frankly about how they work, how they make investment, grant and funding decisions, what they will invest in or support and what they cannot. They talk about the pros and cons of different sources of funding, share lessons and insights, and provide invaluable advice for any social entrepreneur or innovator looking to build and finance a sustainable social business. We're an impact investor, and that means that we seek both positive social and financial returns. But I think we're also quite unique in our breadth. We have, we have six global offices, and in our structure, we have both a LLC and a foundation that enables us to have the ability to invest in equity, debt, and to make grants in for-profit and non-profit leaders. And we also take the approach that we believe in developing an entire sector. By doing so, it can have more impact on many more people than any single firm can reach. And that's why we invest in scale sectors as well as just individual firms. I'm very pleased today to introduce Scott Wu. Scott is a partner at Omijar Network, a philanthropic investment firm set up by eBay founder Pierre Omijar and his wife Pam, dedicated to harnessing the power of markets to create opportunity for people to improve their lives. Scott leads the firm's investment, finance and legal operations. He's an extensive background in investment and innovation. He recently served as a White House Presidential Innovation Fellow and Senior Advisor and Entrepreneur in Residence to the Innovation Funds of USAID. Scott was a member of the founding team of a crowdfunding platform and he co-founded several venture capital investment firms that together manage more than $1 billion. Well, so thank you very much, Scott, for taking the time today to speak to inspiring social entrepreneurs. It's great to have an opportunity to talk to you and hear a little bit about what you do at the Omajar Network. Yeah, Fergal, first of all, thanks for having me. So I recently joined Omidyar to lead the firm's investment, finance, and legal operations, managing the evaluation and closing of our deals and overseeing our investment portfolio. Uh, but before this, I spent decades as a banker, a venture capitalist, an entrepreneur. Most recently, I was advising the innovation funds and portfolio companies in the developing world for USAID. Uh, but I have to say that while I've been really fortunate in the past to have invested in several billion-dollar companies, being an impact investor and doing the work that we do at a platform like Amidiar is far and away the most satisfying and fulfilling experience of my career. It would be interesting to get your perspective, Scott, on the funding landscape and where you fit in. Yeah, sure. I, I think the, the funding landscape for social entrepreneurs and impact investment has a great deal of potential. But despite all of the the recent interest in the sector, it's still very clear that the funding currently allocated to this regard is a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of the global capital markets. I mean, we're, we're talking maybe a few billion dollars a year of early stage impact capital available, which sounds like a lot, but relative to the several hundred trillions of dollars of global debt and equity available for commercial enterprises, it's not even a drop in the bucket. But having said that, I'm highly encouraged by the increased interest from the next generation of investors to better align their capital with their values. And we're seeing a slow but steady migration in this direction every single day. 
A good example, I think, is the Obama administration held another global entrepreneurship summit, this time at Stanford. And that was a testament to the interests. I mean, the top VCs from the Valley, top entrepreneurs and government officials from around the world took part. You just, you couldn't escape the energy. And it's not just here in Silicon Valley. I've taken part in the last three global entrepreneurship summits that were held in Africa and in Southeast Asia. And I saw the same amount of energy and interest happening. So I think we're just at a tipping point. Can you tell me about the kind of projects the Omijar Network is interested in investing in and supporting? Yeah, Omijar Network, like others, we're an impact investor. And that means that we seek both positive social and financial returns. But I think we're also quite unique in our breadth. We have, we have six global offices. And in our structure, we have both a LLC and a foundation that enables us to have the ability to invest in equity, debt, and to make grants in for-profit and nonprofit leaders. And we, we also take the approach that we believe in developing an entire sector. By doing so, it can have more impact on many more people than any single firm can reach. And that's why we invest in scale sectors as well as just individual firms. So as a result, we, we, we do have a deep focus in five areas. That would be financial inclusion, education, emerging technology, property rights, and governance, citizen engagement. It seems like you have considerable flexibility in the ways you support social entrepreneurs financially. Yeah, we, we, we do have the flexibility. We, we seek to leverage that. I mean, to date, we've invested in nearly a billion dollars split evenly uh, across for-profit and the nonprofit sectors. Uh, but equally importantly, we've also invested organizationally very heavily to provide a great deal of functional support to meet the needs of social entrepreneurs. Everything from human capital resources to marketing communications and PR on their behalf to providing some financial and legal services as support. And so this is one of the broadest platforms that I've seen in the investing space, in particular in the uh, social impact arena, but I'd say throughout the DC sector. Social entrepreneurs face a uniquely challenging environment dealing with complex and tractable problems, often with limited support, resources, infrastructure. What advice do you have for social entrepreneurs in these kind of environments? Yeah, no, every problem that you can imagine and a whole litany of problems that you can't even envision they're faced with. And so, you know, it's, it's tough for the social entrepreneurs in the environments that we're talking about. And, and the advice I try to give them quite often is, you know, it, it, it always depends on the situation, but there's often a common theme, and that suggestion would be to run your organization like a business. We, we too often see social entrepreneurs who are not running their organization with an eye necessarily towards long-term sustainability, uh, getting to break even so they don't have to rely on the next tranche of funding, uh, be, sometimes becoming too donor-dependent and often not building out a deep organization while taking on far too much as an organization, as a small organization. And so sometimes this limits their potential to attract capital sources which can preclude them from growth and getting the funding they need to reach sustainability or even attracting the, the, the right talent. And so it, it all sounds quite circular, but without the right human capital and financial capital, the odds are against you in any environment, 
much less some of the most challenging on the planet. But hey, at the end of the day, if this were easy, everybody would be doing this. There's no magic answer. And if anybody thinks they have it, you should be very wary. How do social entrepreneurs typically connect with the Omidyar network? Presence, as I mentioned, we have people on the ground in six countries around the world. We have a deep focus in five sectors. And so we're constantly outsourcing and networking and looking for the right entrepreneurs. And, and we kind of fan out through our network and our broader network of other organizations that we work with. And it gives ample opportunity to find those leading entrepreneurs in those respective sectors and for them to find us. And, and, and so we operate in that fashion very much like other investment firms. Uh, the ideal way to connect is through a referral. I'm sure every situation is different, but can you give me an indication of how long it can take on average from first contact to raising funds? Well, from their perspective, it's always too slow and too long. I, <laughs> I can tell you that from any investment firm that I've been at. Uh, I can say that in the time that I've been at Omidyar, I've seen opportunities that have moved very quickly in a matter of weeks. Nobody should enter into this with that expectation in mind. But it can, depending on the circumstance and the situation and our knowledge of the sector and the knowledge of that particular organization, it can move very quickly or it could be a long-term uh, kind of gestation process of being introduced and getting to know and better understanding the local environment and better understanding that marketplace. And, and so... It's not a great answer, but the, the answer is it can be very quick and it can take a very long time. And hopefully from their perspective, they fall in the, the earlier camp than the later camp. There's certainly a lot more money coming into the sector. And yet many social entrepreneurs I speak to, particularly at earlier stages, particularly in riskier ventures with perhaps lower expected returns, struggle to get funding. What kind of support can you provide to the higher risk, lower return ventures? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, we, we have this broad mandate and great flexibility as an organization. And so we actually have a matrix by which we judge both financial returns and social impacts. And we'll invest across the spectrum. And, and, and so it's, you know, we're not just seeking to maximize financial returns. And we're not solely just seeking to maximize social impact. We will balance the combination of the two. But like many other impact firms, we seek organizations that basically have the potential for large-scale catalytic impact. Companies that intend to develop new markets or industries to influence policy or practices that demonstrate the power of a business to create both the financial and social returns. And, and so we target essentially organizations that can address the major societal problems at scale, and we have the flexibility and latitude to adjust our return expectations as a result. Can you talk a little about the appropriateness of different kinds of funding, be it grants or debt or equity, for different kinds of social ventures? Yeah, I know. This is a particular area of interest to me personally. I, um, in my time in the sector, what I've noticed is there, you know, there's there's kind of a, a bundle of capital available in the early stage equity uh, uh, stage, uh, primarily equity impact investor venture funds, and then there's a large gap before organizations get to the ability and scale and cash flow necessary to track debt and. And then 
separately, there's a universe of donors, agencies, uh, other government, multilaterals, and philanthropists that will hand out grants. But there was very little in between each of those types of categories of funding. And in the commercial world, that's not the, just not the case. There's, there's all types of early, middle, late-stage equity. There's public equity. There's all types of debt that's based on uh, you know, sub-debt, the secured a- uh, asset-based lending. There's working capital loans. There's credit enhancements and insurance products. There's everything that the organizations need because those commercial firms have found a way to profit by serving that unmet need. And I think in the impact and social entrepreneur space, that's not the case yet. It's not quite developed. It's, it's on its way there. And we as an organization at a mid-year, since we have that flexibility and latitude, we can take more risk and experiment more with different financial instruments. And I very much hope and intend that we as an organization will do more of that in the future. And so we are starting to look more at forgivable loans and repayable uh, debt instruments to replace grants. We're looking more at social impact bonds and development impact bonds. We're looking more to utilize credit enhancements to uh, help uh, generate outside investors into special purpose vehicles that are asset-backed. And, and, and so because we have that flexibility and latitude, I think we ought to leverage it. Right. Uh, now, just moving on to the question of raising finance. It's challenging. You've seen many social entrepreneurs over the years looking for finance. What advice have you got for them? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's, again, depending on the circumstance and the maturity of the organization and the experience, quite often, of the leaders of the organization. But I would encourage them to really hone their pitch really and get to the point where you can demonstrate very quickly in a short elevator pitch to a potential investor and hook them with what it is, what is the problem that you're solving, what are you doing differently to to do that, and to demonstrate that you have the wherewithal, that you've built a team that's capable of not just dreaming and having a great idea, but of executing. And, And so that's much more easily said than done. But, you know, you're going to, if you're going to be in the market trying to compete with other players for those capital sources and for the leading talent, you have to be able to express yourself in a way that is quickly able to communicate what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to do it. Thanks, Scott. Uh, finally, one last question, maybe. Uh, tremendous momentum in the whole field. How do you see social innovation changing over the coming years? Yeah, so I would say that innovation and disruption in and of itself is not the goal, but it's often what's necessary in extreme environments to solve intractable problems. Um, While we think of social innovation and social entrepreneurship as relatively new concepts, it's been happening forever in all walks of society. The recent change is what we've seen in the rapid acceleration and the pace of innovation in recent generations, and the burgeoning interest amongst the millennials and a whole new set of entrepreneurs that are seeking solutions to solve these social problems. And, and quite often, to do so entails more risk. And it requires a strong stomach and persistence. So 
So we seek entrepreneurs that embrace those qualities and then try to provide them the tools that they need to give it a shot. Uh, we're committed to that as an institution, and we have a founding investor that's dedicated to utilizing his wealth for such purposes. Um, so I, at the end, I, I'd say that I've never been more encouraged during my lifetime. This new pace, I believe, will continue to accelerate both in the U.S. and globally as more and more people step forward to try to solve bigger and bigger problems. And the only question that remains is, how do you get on board? Wow, that's a, a great vision. And for the Omijar Network over the coming few years, uh, can, can you talk a little bit about what, what your vision is? Yeah, we have a, a lot of plans in mind. You know, we, we have a great appetite and ambition to go solve and address the world's uh, societal needs. And, and so right now, you know, we, we, we have a platform. We have a model. We think it's working. We continue to try to prove it out. Uh, but in the long term, we're always on the lookout for the next thing that we could step forward and provide our expertise and our model and our resources to go and help uh, address the issue. Right. Well, that's a great vision, Scott. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today and to inspiring social entrepreneurs. And I wish you the very best of success with the coming years. And uh, thank you very much. Hey, Fergal, thanks so much for having me. I mean, I, I wish I were able to provide more concrete guidance and better answers, but the reality is we're all really just learning as we go, one step at a time. And so at the end of the day, I just feel so lucky to be in a position to help fund and support some of these social entrepreneurs, the true risk takers whose ideas and, and dreams will eventually solve the world's great challenges. Thanks, Scott. Great vision. Thank you for listening to the Financing Social Entrepreneurs podcast. I hope you found this interview valuable. Please make sure to visit financingsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.